Good morning, everyone. Sorry I can't be with you in person today. I would prefer to be with you in person, but I hope this recording uh, is okay in, in, that, in place of that. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you once again for the life of Paul and, and what we can learn from it. Lord, we know that we don't just want to learn random lessons or accumulate random knowledge. We want to apply all of these lessons and knowledge to our lives, and we pray that you'd help us to do that. Thank you for the amazing consistency that we see in his life uh, and the amazing devotion to your word and, and to your son. We pray, Lord Jesus, as we look at his life over this week, that that adherence, that uh, passion for your son uh, would manifest in our lives too. Amen. So we are in our next stage at our look in the travels of Paul. And last last time, yesterday, we looked at uh, Acts chapter 9. And today uh, we're looking at Acts chapters 13 and 14. Obviously, we're not looking at everything in those chapters, uh, but they will be um, a source uh, for us to look at as we go through. Before we begin, a question. How consistent are you? Or how consistent are we? How consistent are you in your opinions? Uh, if you're a parent, how consistent are you or were you in your discipling of your children? How consistent are you with your eating habits or exercise habits? How consistent are you at going to bed at a good hour and getting enough rest? How consistent are you at getting to work on time uh, and, and doing well at your job? Uh, Charlotte Bronte said about consistency that consi uh, when speaking to someone who had asked her, she said, consistency, madam, is the first of Christian duties. Dwayne Johnson, a very different <laughs> author of, of a quote, says, success isn't always about greatness, it's about consistency. Consistent hard work leads to success. And then in a different realm altogether, Arsene Wenger said, when you look at people who are successful, you will find that they aren't the people who are motivated, but have consistency in their motivation. The world accepts that consistency is a clear virtue, but often this is in relation to success, not failure. The quote often attributed to Einstein says that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Well, when we look at the exploits of Paul following his amazing experience on the Damascus Road and then his life of ministry, obeying the Great Commission, one would think he is insane. He does the same thing over and over again, but with some really negative results and expecting the best. Once people start throwing stones at you, it might be time to change your game plan, some might say. And it's really good that Paul did not have a worldly view of consisting. Romans 1.13 uh, tells us, uh, or Paul says, I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that I've often planned to come to you and have been prevented so far that I may obtain some fruit among you. We know his great passion for the Roman church and, and his desire to be there and, and he's prevented, but he continued to persevere. Then in Galatians 6, 9, let us not lose heart in doing good for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. We must pursue, we must be consistent, we must persevere, we must not grow weary. Uh, and his uh, exhortations to Timothy um, to kindle afresh the gift of God or and to continue to preach the gospel, to be ready in and out of season. So Paul really embodied this idea of consistency. 
And today I want to just look at three aspects of his consistency uh, that I think we see in these passages in chapters 13 uh, and 14. And the first one is his consistency in the gospel. So the key aspect of Paul's ministry is that his message never changed. No matter where he preached, the good news of Jesus was what he preached. No matter the situation, no matter the opposition, no matter the criticism, he didn't change his message. His focus was to see Christ preached and him crucified. And, and that quote continues on, doesn't it, in 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 1, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, verse as Paul says, For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he goes on and he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. What an amazing thing um, that his, his message didn't rest on himself. It rested on, on the power of God and that the wisdom, uh, that their faith would not rest on his wisdom, but on the power of God. And really, we see that in his in his focus throughout his whole ministry, his focus on Christ. So let's look at Acts 13 and 14 and see this consistency of Paul's message. Um, so first of all, we see his teaching in Cyprus, Acts 13 and verse five. And he says, when they reached Salamis, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. The first thing he did, he started to proclaim the word of God. Then over in Antioch, in Acts 13 uh, and verse 16, we see the beginning of Paul's first recorded message. Now, obviously, he's been preaching for many years, but this is our first record of, of, of a part of, of one of his sermons. Uh, and what does he do? What's his content? What does he say? He preaches Jesus Christ. He takes the people through the material they're familiar with, their history, through to Jesus. Chapter 13, verse 23, from the descendants of this man. According to promise, God has brought to Israel a saviour, Jesus, after John had proclaimed before his coming of a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. Jesus was who he preached. Jesus was his message. And he lays out um, this message to them of what Christ came to do. Then on into chapter 14 in Iconium, in verse 3, therefore they spent a long time there speaking boldly with reliance upon the Lord who was testifying to the word of his grace. So he preached with reliance on the Lord and then testified to the word of his grace. His focus and everything that he taught was never of himself. It was always from the Lord. And then in Lystra, uh, in chapter 14 and verse 15. Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of the same nature as you. And preach the gospel to you that you should turn from these vain things to a living God. So these men were, or the people there, were thinking that <clears throat> Paul and Barnabas were gods and, and treating them that way and wanting to worship them. And he's saying, no, we're just men who point you to the real God, to the true God. We just preach the gospel to you. We don't want glory. We want glory for God. The point is, no matter where Paul went, he preached the message of Jesus boldly and consistently, not changing his message to suit the people, not to fit in with the culture of the day. He preached Jesus Christ boldly in synagogues and from jail cells and everywhere he went. The gospel he preached was consistent. 
the fly this flies in the face of modern false teaching such as things like the new perspective on paul that he taught a different soteriology than others a different um doctrine of salvation than others and that we that we've misunderstood his writing for centuries we can see so clearly that he had a consistent and an unchanging message because the gospel is consistent and unchanging the reason that he trusted the source of his message was the source of his message was god and that he wasn't trying to please men as the opening chapter of galatians tells us chapter one he was consistent in the gospel but paul was also consistent in gathering as we mentioned in chapter nine he also sought out fellowship continually everywhere he went he either sought out Christians to be with or he sought out non-believers to make them Christians and then he wanted to be in relationship and fellowship with them. Paul was committed to gathering together with God's people. So again, let's look at, at how we see this in these chapters. Chapter 13, verse 13. Now Paul and his companions put out to sea from Paphos. He traveled with companions. He wasn't a one-man band. We're not called to be uh, on our own. Uh, and it's interesting, sometimes we think that evangelism has to be done on our own, but Paul did it with others. Uh, not all the time, but he had companions and he longed to be with those companions. In 13 verse 42, <clears throat> as Paul and Barnabas were going out, the people kept begging that these things might be spoken to them the next Sabbath. Now, when the meeting of the synagogue had broken up, many of the Jews and of the God-fearing proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas who, speaking to them, were urging them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, nearly the whole city assembled to hear the word of the Lord. So in Pisidian Antioch, this is bearing in mind, not Syrian Antioch, where the church was, this is Pisidian Antioch. They kept pouring into people. This wasn't some tour that had deadlines, you know, you had to catch a bus so I can only do one gig and then I'm gone. He wanted to be around. They wanted to be around those who loved God and wanted to learn. And they would stay and they would help them grow and prepare them to be on their own. He didn't just come in as a superstar and then whisk out of town on the next flight. He was prepared to be with people, to teach them, to train them, to love them, just as Christ had done for him. And another great example is in chapter 14. Uh, and we see it from verse 21, uh, really through to, to 28. Uh, where he's in, uh, he goes from Derby to Antioch, so that's back to Syrian Antioch, where the church was, and we're told that they they preached the gospel, they made many disciples, they strengthened the souls of the disciples, they encouraged them, and then in verse twenty-seven, they gathered the church together and shared with them all that had happened. Paul was all about gathering, consistency in gathering, and lastly, uh, Paul was consistent despite great opposition. Perhaps the most amazing thing about Paul's ministry was that, the fact that he could be so consistent in his message and in who he was and what he did, despite the opposition he faced. He endured so much for the gospel. And in just these two chapters, we see quite a lot that, that he had to deal with or that was placed in front of him to hinder him or stop him. In, in chapter 13, verse 8, we see... Um, opposition from the enemy we see this bar jesus guy the, the magician uh, who the lord dealt with by making him blind who opposed paul and what he was preaching then in chapter 13 verse 13 um 
we actually see, and, and it's a little bit subtle, but it says, but John left them and returned to Jerusalem. Now, while this might not have actually been opposition, John Mark left them and Paul wasn't happy about it, which we find out about later in chapter 15. And it eventually caused an issue between him and Barnabas. And yet he persevered. In 13 verse 45, uh, we see, but when the Jews saw the crowd, they were filled with jealousy and began contradicting the things spoken by Paul and were blaspheming. They were attacking them. They were jealous. They were contradicting his ministry. And then in verse 50 of the same chapter, but the Jews indicted the devout women of the prominence and leading men of the city and instigated a persecution against Paul and Barnabas and drove them out of their district. So they were driven out. They were they were pushed away. And then over in chapter 14 and verse five, they're at Iconium still. And when an attempt was made by both Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to mistreat and to stone them, they left. So through all of this opposition, they kept going on with their mission where they wherever they were. They kept persevering and never giving up. Yes, it came to the point where they had to move on, but they did so because it was necessary and they trusted it was time that the Lord had 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 something some elsewhere for them. I think the most striking verse uh, in all of this comes from uh, verse 52 of chapter 13. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. Paul's consistency across his whole ministry came out of this deep joy, which came out of his love for his Saviour. His love for Christ enabled him to have a joy in the most ridiculous of circumstances. It enabled him to be consistent with all with the gospel. It enabled him to be consistent with gathering together with other believers. And it enabled him to do all of this in the face of great opposition. Consistency in our spiritual lives is key. As Paul tells us in Philippians 4 verses 11 to 13, doesn't he? He says uh, that he has the key uh, for being content in all circumstances. He says, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. And I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Consistency comes when we are content in all circumstances and that our strength comes from him. It doesn't mean that we don't feel. It doesn't mean that we don't get disappointed or sorrowful or struggle. But we are able to be consistent in our walk because the source of our consistency is not ourselves, but our Lord. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we pray one thing. We pray that we would be consistent in our lives, in our walk with you. We pray that we would be consistent in our obedience to you. We pray that we'd be consistent in our time with you, in, in reading with you, in, in, in praying to you, in, in walking with you and in worshipping you and in obeying you through, this, through, as we heard on Sunday, the sacraments of baptism and of, and of communion. Lord, we pray that we would be consistent in our fellowship with each other, that we would desire to meet together, that we would be consistent in the gospel that we preach to those around us, that our theology would be consistent with your word. And we pray, Lord, that we would be consistent through opposition and through difficulty. And Father, we just ask, we know that all of this comes from you. The strength to deal with all of this comes from you. And we just ask for your help in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And we pray all of this in the full knowledge that it is you that our strength comes from. And we pray this in the name of your son. Amen.